0: Big D Entertainment in association with Dipsy Doodle Productions presents The Dave Holly Hour. Brought to you by Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th, The Sky in Tea, XL Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffat Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. The Dave Holly Hour features Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment Conversations, a true lover of arts, entertainment, good food and fun times, including an occasional Jack Daniels. (laughs) Okay, so a few Jack Daniels. Here he is, Dave Holly.
1: Welcome to Empire Arts and Entertainment Lovers. Coming up, we meet a man of many talents. Actually, a many of many talents. Emmanuel Bassey, a singer, plays sax, and now has acting on the resume. Plus, he's one of the best-dressed guys in town. Then later in the show, we talk filmmaking with Sean Baker. Despite his youth, he has an amazing maturity for bringing stories to life. Plus, we'll tell you who or what gets this week's honorable mention, as well as choose another winner, of pizza with a podcaster. But first, let's pound the cork on this bubbly little show. Time to grab your favorite beverage, lift it high, toasted to being Thursday, a.k.a. Weekend Eve.
0: Hey,
2: the weekend isn't around the corner, it's here.
1: So long, hump day in your frumpy way. We say hello to Thursdays with opening nights. The weekend is near and we can see the bright lights. Yes, Thursday, you're so hearty, we can't wait for Friday. So a day early, we start the party. Woo! lift them high no matter what it might be that you are drinking no matter what you're drinking it out of no matter what time you happen to be drinking it lift it high and salute all the behind-the-scenes people that it takes to make the production go smoothly I was witness to it this past weekend I happened to be in the premier premieres that was put on at the Belvis theater Belvis a beautiful little theater by the way and the backstage there's so much more to it and what takes place on the wings etc up at the tech booth and it's just amazing how it all comes together all for your benefit, so you can enjoy a great production so weekend eve toast to all the behind the scenes people in a production weekend eve toast brought to you by the sky in tea the sky provides all caps fun that is best had with friends have fun playing darts shooting pool have fun listening to great live music from local musicians or have fun singing at karaoke you can be the local and live musicians then have fun testing your knowledge at trivia maybe you need more room to hold a company party hold a benefit well the sky's big back room fits the bill no matter what's going on at the sky it's local and it's lively it's time to choose the lucky winner of Pizza with a Podcaster. Everyone that follows the Dave Holly Hour on Facebook or Instagram automatically entered to win a free pizza from Sunny's Pizzeria. We pick a winner each week. This week we say congratulations to Sadie Swear. We'll be in touch with you, Sadie, to get you all set up with some jowl dropping, show stopping, thin crust pizza. Pizza with a Podcaster, brought to you by Sunny's Pizzeria right across from USF at 26th and Waltz, and Sunny's at 81 on South Phillips. Check out the very fun and incredibly flavorful menu online, Sonny'sPizzeria.com. Honorable, Honorable mention. mention. So what was it this week that made me smile, made me laugh, made me cry? Yeah, but t- tears of joy, you know. Well, it's to the originals. Okay, last week, we talked original jazz music. Next week, we're going to talk original music again, but of a different genre. In fact, a a blend of genres, really. But uh, this past weekend, the premier premieres took place. Two original one-act plays written by local playwrights. Broadly speaking, another BS written by Nancy Tapkin, Beth Olson, Julie Haddock-Sauer, Jill Johnson, and Sue Martins, Very funny, yet poignant. Then Mo Hurley wrote the theater at night. Very beautiful look at how grief is dealt with individually. Last week, as mentioned, original jazz. Next week, original blend of genres of music. So, honorable mention to all the original works. And, of course, visual artists have a lot on that, don't they? Later in the show, we talk filmmaking with Sean Baker. Coming up next... Musician, singer, actor, Emmanuel Bassey on the Dave Holly Hour.
3: Helping women feel empowered and confident is what Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th does while supplying high-quality clothing that fits your lifestyle, personality, and price point. Whether you want comfy and cozy, casual attire, or something for a special occasion, Posh provides quality, selection, and value. They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident.
1: Racket Drive in Sioux Falls.
4: Support the Dave Holly Hour in a very easy way. Buy Dave a cup of coffee by clicking the cup in the lower left corner of www.davehollyhour.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Oh, you know what I love to say at the beginning of every conversation. It is such a pleasure to talk Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment, and it's even more of a pleasure any time I get a new guest. And this is a young man that uh, I have uh, just recently met, but uh, so thankful to get him on the show because uh, we're sitting uh, there at a uh, rehearsal for a play one night, and uh, he starts talking about uh, different people and to find out that, you know, uh, in what used to be an old Rolodex, on his phone now, (laughs) he has names like Flo Ryder uh as personal friends but this man is becoming a personal friend of me emmanuel bassey welcome to the show
4: thank you very
0: much I you're, appreciate you're it.
1: very welcome thank you for taking some time to be on this and uh you know i i always like to say it's going to be actor or it's going to be a singer or it's a singer songwriter something like that you get more slashes though actor yeah. singer musician what got you interested in being in the arts?
4: Honestly, um, I just know that my, my, my dad um, has always been into, into singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from early on, I just remember a guitar and my dad um, playing a guitar and always hearing music throughout the house, even when I grew up um, in my home country. Um, and, uh, in fact, I have a scar on my uh, (laughs) eyebrow from, uh, when I was, I believe one or two years old trying to play with the guitar and then it fell on me Oh my! and cut, uh, cut it, cut, (laughs) cut me open. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just love, I just love, um, arts and entertainment. Um, yeah. So what is your home country? I was born in Nigeria. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was born in Joss, Nigeria.
1: And how long have you been in the U.S.?
4: Um, so I'll just give you a brief rundown of yeah. my of my uh my history. I was born there. I was there till I was I'd be four years old, mm-hmm. and then I lived in England, okay, for about six and a half years, and um then I came to the states, um in '91. Okay, so I um I've been to uh yeah, that, that I, that's what's moved me around to the U.S. Um, but I moved to Sioux Falls, uh I'd say about 2003. Okay. Um, and so um, off and on, I've been here for, for almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. How have I never
1: run into you? With all the talent that you have, how <laughs> have I not seen you play somewhere or be doing something?
4: Just timing, I guess. Yeah. You it's it's funny me. how that all, but
1: you know, it's also that great story about how um, arts and entertainment works, especially in the theater, is the fact that uh, people become family very quickly. And each different project you're in and so forth, that family continues to grow sure. and uh, that's uh, such a fun part of it so uh you have just uh you know because uh, we're recording this while we're actually still in rehearsals but yes, by the yeah. time <laughs> this particular podcast comes out we will have had our performances in the theater at night Correct. and uh, you play the part of a singer in that and uh, so is that one of those things that it was like well i might as well try for this because it's going to come naturally
4: um that that was part of it but i think the initial i have to i have to full disclosure um i um i was given an acting um an acting gig um which i was trying to understand how to accept Mm -hmm. i didn't understand it because i've never actually done acting like full-on acting and um and so i had to reach out to robin um who's a playwright, and he you know back and forth from um england and and here in sioux falls and um so he was kind of showing me the ropes on how to be official um in the industry Mm -hmm. i guess so um so i had to take on a role in the community um in the theater so um i chose to audition um and um yeah everything worked it came full circle to where we are now yeah it's excellent (laughs) I'm, i'm
1: so happy for it
4: all right so musically
1: then that was the first part You know, dad playing the guitar, guitar falling on your melon, uh, and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. What was it that drew you to be a performer then? Not just enjoy music
4: and play it, but to actually
1: get out and want to perform for other people.
4: Well, I know when I was um, in what they would call um, primary school or uh, elementary school. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah, in, in England um we had I had done some plays and I remember the first one I'd ever been in was um The Wizard of Oz and it was it was an interesting production and um I loved I loved being in come, like uh, going into a character mm-hmm. um, because I had watched that movie a few times and so it was something that I could relate to that I was, immersed in Mm -hmm. and so it was probably my first experience of understanding perspective and so it's a really cool form factor when you're performing because you're feeling emotion of trying to perform for somebody else but you're also trying to stay true to what you what you recollect right you know um is 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 um is the true form of, of the thing that you're interpreting. Um, so just from then, I mean, I've just loved, I've loved, um, I, I actually, well, it was weird, fun fact too, when I was young, I did ballet. So, oh. yeah, and so... Because um, you have the physique to do that.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me, whereas I do not.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like to try and stay in shape. So, um, but yeah, so um, it was it was just fun. I, I, I like to do different things. Um, anything that gets... I guess juice is flowing and um, you know um, gives you vigor. Yeah. Um, I just I, I love to uh, to try new things.
1: All right. So in the Wizard of Oz, what role did you have?
4: I was the Tin Man. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. I
1: love the Tin Man. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I I there's a great song by a group called America that they recorded back in the seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the lines is god never gave anything to the tin man that he didn't didn't already have hmm. and i've always loved that lyric and I, I so when you brought up the fact you were tin Man, it's like oh cool oh, wow. uh, i love that part and uh, so uh you've uh, also been uh you know in music a lot uh and you play saxophone
2: yeah so- as
1: as one of your instruments right you're yes. also on the keys and uh, obviously started with guitar
4: Honestly, um, I started with the keyboard. Okay, and it was um, um, and it was just in the house, and so like I I I started you know just um, fiddling around with it, and then I just understood that that was a good place to start your knowledge base um, because it helps with your creativity of what you're. Um, of certain things that you're trying to to um, um, I guess put together in terms right. of music, and um, but then I think formally um, I started dabbling into music when I was in um, middle school. Um, no, I'd say fifth grade. Fifth grade, yeah, is that middle school? Uh, it depends on what school you go to. Oh, okay, <laughs> some yeah. of them call that, it middle. Yeah. That was upstate New York, so um, I was I started off um, in band. And I and I started mm-hmm. off. I wanted to play saxophone, and so um, yeah, it was a ill experience for my parents because um, I was relegated to the basement <laughs> um, because of my squeaks <laughs> and everything. So, um, but I had to learn, um, and uh, so yeah, that was the first thing that I got into. And in band, obviously, that's when I started um, obviously reading music and um, getting into drums, mm-hmm. um, doing drums, and sometimes I would I would do stuff um, for for the, the, the drum, um, the, the percussion department. Right. Um, and then I just started experimenting with different things. Well, so. the, uh,
1: the piano experience obviously helped you, uh, when it came to the percussion then, because you know, I don't know if it is anymore, but it was almost a requisite that if you were going to be in percussion, you had to have piano background so that obviously was a, a great help to you. True. Uh and uh, so how long before the parents said, Okay, he's gotten good enough playing the saxophone, <laughs> we can let him back up to the main floor.
4: Uh, it took uh I'd say it took about a year, <laughs> year and a half, maybe two years, um, before I um I was able to 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 control sound. And that's the thing. so, it's, it's another thing. I feel that I've always been in closed spaces, so in doing so, I've been I've I have a very good control of my of my um of my lungs, mm-hmm. um and uh, my sound. So and I think that's probably what what's unique for me in saxophone. Right uh, now,
1: when I think saxophone, um, I think jazz because I'm a big jazz lover. Um, what is your forte in saxophone? Then, what do you prefer to play?
4: I am the lover of all music. Oh, uh, God bless you. So. In moderation. Um, Country sometimes uh, gets (laughs) to me. But I still can take some country. Uh But um, I just like traditional um, orchestra music. Really? And the reason why I do is because it reminds me of savants like Bach, um, Mozart, um, Chopin, you know, just different people of periods. And maybe it's just because I grew up in England. So British things... um, or European things mm-hmm. um, it just gives me different flavors of music right. and then I just add things that are me and myself and so I was always a rebel in band I know that um, I'd be bending notes when I'm supposed to be just playing true um, and so I, I remember my, my um, the uh, band director was saying that uh, maybe I needed to get into jazz band and, right and other stuff. because so, of the
1: improvisation that you'd be yeah, able to do
4: because i was able to i started just doing things myself and obviously you're not supposed to and so so um so that's how it just kind of made me broaden my perspective to other forms of of um of, of music for saxophone and so um i just like i like jazz mm-hmm. i like um i like soul um i like i like funk I like um, um, blues, um, and um, in doing so, I started realizing that you can still go back to classical, and so that's right. why I feel that I try to, I try to layer my saxophone on mm-hmm. all kinds of music, um, because I just feel that it is an emotional instrument, and um, and I like it because it's very versatile. Which sax
1: do you play? Tenor, alto. Very? Mostly alto. Mostly, Mostly alto. alto. Okay. Yeah.
4: That is my main staple is Alto Sax. All
1: right. If somebody says, All right, Emmanuel, we want to hear some saxophone, just let go. What are you hitting? What is it just gonna be all improvised or do you have a, a bass back there that you're going, Okay, this song is gonna let me start and I can create beyond everything else?
4: That would be a weird question for someone to ask me because if someone did do that it would just be straight improv because uh-huh. I wouldn't know what to play. Um I have so many things that come to mind but I right. wouldn't really know what to play. Um so I would probably do scales and then and then just run it into, you know, a key a progression of keynotes. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's really what I would do if I was if I was doing that.
1: So you mentioned improv uh, in terms of music and then also the fact that uh, we had mentioned it earlier because you were talking about being a bit of a rebel in band and so forth. Uh, That's a really unique gift, Uh, you know, when you've been taught how to read music and so forth. And then all of a sudden it comes time to just be on your own and be Mm -hmm. creative. Do you feel yourself get into like a zone or anything when that happens?
4: Yeah, and it's crazy because I close my eyes. And, um, it's, it's like feeling, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but a saxophone to me is vibration. And I feel that vibration is energy. Mm -hmm. And so you're absorbing energy and you're giving energy at the same time. And while I'm doing so, I'm also feeling the resonance of my saxophone, the vibration. Um, I have a very bright saxophone, um, the color of it, um, the, the tone. Um, and so... I just like to project that. I want to give the best of myself and the instrument itself to people.
1: All right. So you said you have a bright saxophone. Does that mean you only have one?
4: I have one unique saxophone. Okay. Yes. Um, um, I had a tenor, I mean a soprano, but... um. Um, at an unfortunate events, <laughs> and uh, I do not have it at this time right now. So I'll probably get another one in, See, in a few weeks. Any time that I
1: have, a, especially a guitarist, uh, on the show, it's like okay. How many do you really have? And how many are you going to admit just in case your spouse is listening? <laughs> so just one and it
4: does it all, huh? Yeah. One one that um, this one is very treasured for me just because my parents bought it for me when I was in high school. Wow. And it was an investment for them. Yeah. Because they felt that um, I had mastered enough to where they felt that this is something that I'd want to do for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I got it um, in private school. I was in private school in uh, Covenant Christian. Um, uh, That was a high school I went to in Indiana. Okay. And um, and I remember the other kid who had a saxophone, he had a really cool one. It was black and gold. And I was like, I really want a cool saxophone. (laughs) But I want something different. And so, yeah, my parents, um, we went to uh, Milwaukee. Um, and got a Milwaukee sax. Oh, wow. And it's a unique, one-of-a-kind yeah. color. Um, it looks like rose gold. And um, it, they added, how they achieved the color is they dipped it in acid and then they right. they uh, shocked the acid to a specific um, frequency and then that's how the color comes about. Very And that's cool. what makes it a bright instrument. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had that for, I've had that saxophone for many years. Wow, I'm trying to think. <laughs> wow, at least twenty-four years. Excellent. Yeah, I'd man, say about that's 24 that's years. very cool. Yeah. Uh, what do
1: you enjoy about the saxophone as the instrument? You mentioned the vibration and energy and so forth, but uh, obviously there's there's a point where you pick that up and you start wailing on it, and uh, you know it, it, there's this great feeling. What is it that makes you go? I chose the right
4: instrument. Um the bending like it's almost like crying. Like it's emotion. So like yeah. if you like you start from one note but then you slowly progress to another note and it's just it's so gradual that it's like a whale and um that's probably the the best part of Transition for sax for me. Um, obviously, there are other instruments that can get that effect, and mm-hmm. that's why I can't say that saxophone is the best instrument in the world. I mean, um, another one that t- tugs strings would be uh, violin, and violin is a very beautiful instrument. So I mean, I don't know how to play that. I'm I do know how to play a few instruments. I play I uh, I play um I can play guitar, mm-hmm. bass guitar, drums, and saxophone, and, and keyboard, yep, yeah, and keyboard, keyboard. Yep. and I can sing. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. Well, you you've got a, a pretty good uh, resume on that, then that's for <laughs> sure. Speaking of, let's see. Have you ever played with any
4: big names? <laughs> yeah, I I've, I've played with um I've dabbled with with a few few big names. Um um yeah. Um Flow Fusion, so mm-hmm. um Flora's band, band. Um um Kid Ink. I went on tour with Kid Ink. Okay. Inc. Or I was I was on tour um for the Kidding tour, um, and um, I played, I played there um, with them. I'm trying to think of who else. Um, I've just I played with different people. Well, I played with flow? DeVito. Okay. Um, I've played with um yeah just a lot of oh here locally let's uh I spoke I played with Vani. Okay. Hariri. Yeah. Um, and so I was I'm a part of the Knights Temple. Um, and, um, so we've done stuff at the Levitt. Okay. Um, and, um, open for the Denny Sanford Center when yeah. it was built. Um, yeah, things like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you seem to be uh, a very humble man, uh, because, uh, didn't you say that you had played for Flow Rider or, you know, when he's in, in the area or something? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So,
4: yeah, that, I think that was, um, gosh, that was a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to say October, October. I think it was uh, uh-huh. from the middle to the end of October.
1: Um, yeah. That well, the, that, the country you club. know, there's some cool stuff that goes on, you know, and that's always what's great. Uh, but um, still, I love the fact that you said locally, uh, you know, that you brought that up because uh, this show is about, uh, you know, local talent and so forth. And it's great when we find out that the local talent, has been able to be around the world or it's been able to have some really neat uh, gigs and so forth what's the gig you're looking for
4: um i just want to be i want to be embraced by everybody so um i just want to be able to um to to have a, a chance to play with any artist that strikes a chord and, and like, maybe it's a song or something that, that, that speaks to me, I would love to mm-hmm. be able to just go off and do a brief tour. I don't like to do long tours cause I feel like I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, a brief tour or something, um, you know, maybe four or five days a week yeah. or something like that. But, um, yeah, I, would, I just love, I love, I love music. I love song. Um, Sometimes I like music without words. I mean, I think music itself is, an, is, a, is a universal language, and it doesn't actually need words.
1: True. Uh, I'm a big fan of instrumental music, uh, especially being a fan of jazz. Uh, but uh, I also go to that other side of the coin where that uh, famous phrase is, when you're happy, you hear the music. When you're mm-hmm. sad, you hear the lyrics. Mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I have become more appreciative of great songwriting mm-hmm. uh, over the past few years. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy I have. Uh, but by the same token, uh, when I sit here in the studio and I'm mixing some stuff or uh, working on another project and I've got a chance to listen to music, uh, it's uh, quite often uh, like Joe Sample. you know uh, give me some uh, you know jazz uh, of all uh, time frames and so forth yeah and uh, so I I really do enjoy that but um, I'm enjoying the fact that uh, you are here in Sioux Falls South Dakota and again I just uh, I'm so surprised that I've never crossed paths with you before but there was somebody else the other day too that I uh, just recently have become friends with and we were like how did we not meet, you know, like 20 <laughs> years ago? Uh, but so I'm, I'm glad that this is the beginning of the next 20 years. Yes. Yeah, yes. that'll be fun. Uh, so you've uh, just done some acting then, uh, being in a night or the theater at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and what have you thought about, uh,
4: you know, continuing with acting then? So in terms of theater, theater is fun, but it is not the same type of acting as um, like movie acting Mm -hmm. and that's honestly what i want to get into um theater acting is um it's um exaggerated um to get away to get give off an effect to the um the audience and so i see that piece and that's why it's really it's there's highs there's lows and it's very it's very expressive and and that that i understand um, however, I'm a subdued person, so yeah. <laughs> so I would rather just stick to. I would rather just kind of go into acting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know. Um,
1: well, the the one thing about live theater is you also have to be over-exaggerating so that the person in the back row mm-hmm. uh, can catch what you're going to. Yeah. So I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, maybe there should be some films coming up because we do have a growing film community oh, wow. in town too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, amazing. You know, I grew up uh, just 45 miles from here and this was the big city to come to. When I started coming to Sioux Falls, it was about 60 to 80,000, Somewhere in there, and you know, now we're over 200,000. Yes, we and are. Uh, one of the great things has been watching the arts grow in this community, uh, and in some ways almost exponentially. Uh, because I remember, you know, about uh, all you had was you could go to the Coliseum and catch the symphony, mm. uh, and then there'd be concerts that would come to the arena, okay. and beyond that, there. If uh, whatever art there was, it wasn't known beyond the city of Sioux Falls. And, you know, now here we've got uh, the Washington Pavilion, the Denny Sanford. Um, we have the Orpheum for the Premier Playhouse. We have little bookshops. We have little venues where people put on plays. And it's just been so great to watch that grow and watch the music grow. Uh, grow because uh, a friend of mine was saying one time he says you know in the summertime on a friday or a saturday night he said you could walk from uh kello tv down to the levitt and you would have about nine opportunities for food half a dozen opportunities for drinks and probably catch 20 different acts on the street Mm. before you got to the levitt for a big act as well and i thought man that's a great thing plus you know, now there's uh, art that gets shown in restaurants and in bars and coffee shops. And so it's just fun in that, in that way. Uh, and that kind of goes along that time frame of when you said you got to Sioux Falls. And so how have you viewed it in terms of how the growth of the arts has taken place here?
4: It's transformative. Um, I would say that when I first came to Sioux Falls, I was very depressed because it didn't seem like a city to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to bigger cities. And so, um, I just had to accept it. And in doing so, I mean, it's very good. This is a business friendly friendly place. I've done well with business ventures. Um, It's um, it's a good place to raise kids. Um, I have two daughters myself. Um, um, They're eighteen and seventeen, so they're 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 both actually (laughs) almost done. A couple months, they'll be completely done with high school. So, Um, but yeah, just uh, there's a lot of. variations here um where you could could, i mean it's not a perfect community obviously but sioux falls is growing in the right places and um in arts um that needs to be more realized and Mm -hmm. recognized here in sioux falls i know i am a part of um the sioux falls chamber music collective um that's awesome SFCMC. yeah um i'm a board member okay um, Um, I'm actually the treasurer for, um, for, for our organization. And so we like to, we're trying to tap into an, um, uh, a segment that bridges, bridges two parts, and that would be music and art. And so with ballet and symphony music or symphony music and poetry or all of them combined mm-hmm. we've done multiple acts like that i know that i think it was Kello land and other stuff had featured some of our our presentations when we had done uh an annual fundraiser and things like that so um i love our board um we have dynamic members and um we pull on push on each other and um it's it's a good way to to broaden the perspective of the community in terms of music and arts. Excellent.
1: Final two questions. And uh, sometimes question number one's answer uh, might mean we don't need the second question. But when you're not part of the arts and entertainment community, what do you like to be entertained by?
4: Video games. Ah, a gamer. (laughs) I'm eternally a gamer. So I do love video games. Um, So yeah, I play PS5, you know um not an xbox person yet (laughs) um but um yeah between that and then you know even computer games um so i love gaming um other things Um, i love sports okay yeah uh any other hobbies all kinds i mean i just like all kinds all right specific hobbies Mm. Not so much. Um, I just like to. I I like to to do a lot of things. I like to. I like going outdoors. I like to um, to hike. I like to run. It just depends on the period and what I'm feeling mm-hmm. like at the time. Um, I love. I love extreme sports too or extreme activities. So like, I used to do a lot with bicycling, um, motorcycle riding. Um, I mean, I I love. You love adventures. what yes, you love. <laughs> yes. I have a penchant for adventure. A penchant yeah. for adventure. That
1: could be your tagline. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you had, uh, speaking of time, that you had time to be on the show. Thank you. Thank much. you so much, Emmanuel Bassey. appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you in everything that you do. Appreciate it.
3: Comedy magician and hypnotist Jesse Moffitt's right.
0: M-O-F-F-I-T-T, or call 605-929-0964.
1: Ladies, when it's time to give your nails some love, get that extra special treatment from Quality Nails on South Minnesota Avenue in Sioux Falls. Manicures and pedicures that look great and make you feel fantastic. Ziya and Tony provide professional care for your hands and feet, whether you just want the basics or an extra special look with added flair. Oh, and guys, it's okay to treat yourself, too. Quality Nails. Call for an appointment, 605-334-1463.
4: And now, more of the Dave Holly Hour.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You know what I love to say, that it is always a pleasure to talk Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment. And what's even more fun is when you have a chance meeting with somebody that you've been wanting to have on the show, and you just happen to be having coffee at the same place. And Sean Baker uh, (laughs) happens to be, well, he was having coffee. Or what were you having? That looked a little bit more than just a regular cup of joe. Yep, I was having an iced chai latte. Iced chai. Okay, iced (laughs) Chai and uh, 20 degree temperature outside with about 80 feet of snow yeah but yeah. That, that did it it's your it's your bag uh? Uh, Sean is a local filmmaker and uh, a, a young local filmmaker uh, do, you, do you hold a record or anything for that, being like the youngest filmmaker in South Dakota? I'm afraid not. No, not really? yet. Really? <laughs> you don't have that, huh? Nope. Okay. Well, you know, somewhere along the line it'll happen for you. Uh, but uh, how many films have you actually
2: made then? i going on like 25, Wow. 26 films. That's incredible. And, and what got you started in this? Oh, well, when I was about seven years old, mm-hmm. I brought my iPad, my dad's iPad out to the Schulte Subaru dealership in Sioux Falls and they yeah. were just shopping for cars, you know, having a good time. And I, I was out there, you know, finding interest around the dealership, just shooting whatever I could. And then I edited a video and, you know, showed it to them a couple of days later and they gave me a, a $40 paycheck. And that was enough for <laughs> seven year old me too. You were hooked at that point then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Probably, you know, bought some toys, puzzles, yeah. Legos. Uh, or, or games for your iPad? Or games for my iPad. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, what do you buy with the paychecks now? Oh, more equipment. Yep. <laughs> you, you have gas? Yeah. Gear acquisition syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. I have it. Uh, it's a horrible disease, <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, I have the feeling some of your stuff might be a little more costly than some of mine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can get uh, this mixture that I have right here on. on you know, a marketplace for probably a couple hundred bucks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the items that you are looking at? What's on your wish list that uh, that Santa Claus might even have a tough time with?
2: <laughs> Always looking at lighting, lenses. Yeah. I mean, three hundred dollars is cheap for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. A bad lens, six hundred bucks. Oh. So I'm looking at stuff that's in the thousands. Right. I was at um, the fairgrounds this this summer and I was just walking around with my family and, you know, you see these laundry machines for $2,000. And I was like, Oh my God, that's a good deal. $2,000 for a laundry (laughs) machine, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. But always looking for, for stuff to get me more work, make people look better. I mean, that's what gets you back. And you know, that, that's, uh, important that you say that because one of the people that you uh,
1: do make look better would happen to be your dad uh, for those that uh, haven't figured out yet uh, you are Phil Baker's son uh, the family entertainer children's entertainer and uh, overall great guy uh, and uh, man it's, it's been fun to watch because of uh, you know having known your dad for 20 some years and to see you growing up and getting into this as oh that's oh it's great that he has a nice little hobby of videography too
2: oh this young man's a professional videographer now did you think you'd get to that point you know no but I've been working at it for 10 years now I've never really strayed away from wanting to make films yeah I I know a lot of people sort of you know join the film industry around this time and they're and they're doing it because they think oh it's going to be a cool job I'm going to be famous I'm Mm going to make millions of dollars but I mean I I feel like I've definitely developed an emotional attachment to film. I I love it for, you know, what it allows me to do as an artist and what it allows me to say as a human. I mean, it it allows me to use it as a vehicle to make the change that I feel like I couldn't make in Mm -hmm. any other way. It lets um, me sort of speak through my heart in a you, way. If that you've makes even, sense. Yeah. You, you've even had something that,
1: you know, the majority of people will pr- never be able to say is that, you know, they had a premiere of something uh, at the State Theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there that evening, and uh, boy, what an emotional uh, movie that you made. Uh, but to also, just the fact that uh, to see how you carry yourself as a, a young professional person. Um, what were you most excited
2: about that night? Ooh, well, I was just excited to, you know, share Lucy's story. Mm-hmm. For those of who don't know the, the film, it was called We Love Lucy and it was about um, my seven-year-old, well, eight-year-old cousin now, she mm-hmm. just turned eight, who has a very, very rare disease called NKH, non ketotic hyperglycemia. And it's it's very rare specifically because a lot of the children who do get it. End up passing away within the first, you know, couple months, or even at birth. There's around a hundred children in the entire world with NKH, and so um, it's a very devastating disease. Um, but the thing about Lucy, now that she's, you know, going on on eight and a half years old, is that I mean, she's surpassed all the odds that were yeah. put up against her. I mean, doctors told her she wouldn't live past six months, she wouldn't smile, she wouldn't laugh, yeah. and now she's doing all of those things. She's she's eating. By mouth, now she's not even eating through a tube. I mean, she has she started with a hundred seizures a day, now she has you know one or two a week, so it's really an incredible thing. And her story has impacted so many people,
1: right? Uh, did you think that that was going to happen, or were you just going, ah, this would be a nice story to tell? Now, hopefully, a few people will recognize it, but yeah, it's yeah. had a great impact.
2: Yeah, yeah. When I, when I started it, I had absolutely no idea where the story would develop. I mean, I knew Lucy because she's my cousin, right. and I knew of her, but I never understood, you know, how incredible and, and beautiful of a person she is. I mean, you always look at people who have disabilities kind of for what they are on their surface, but you never get to meet them for what they are as a person and what they say about humanity. And that was one of the most impactful things that I learned personally from making the documentary. Um, I, I learned a lot about you know, humanity and love and hope and finding humanity in finding love and being hopeful specifically because um, you know, nothing is going to work out in the easiest and most <laughs> perfect way possible. And I mean, nobody could possibly understand that more than Lucy and her family because they've gone through everything and yet they're still just as happy and they're just as hopeful. Well,
1: I love the way that uh, you answered that uh, because the question that I was going to ask was, did you know when you started making films, especially documentary, that uh, you would have to get so scientific and knowledge and being able to, uh, you know, rattle off a disease that easily and talk about those numbers. And so I I, I still want that, uh, you know, as a, for you to answer, but what I loved about what you just said is everything else that came along with it—the humanity and so forth—and you know, getting into raw emotion. Then,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, when I first learned about MKH, I mean, I didn't realize how rare it was. And the thing about a rare disease is that there's very, um, you know, little research and information on it because it is so rare. I mean. A lot of the bigger diseases, they're just as devastating, but there's so many people right. that there's there's studies and there's and there's cures even, and I mean NKH doesn't really have the opportunity to to hold any of that because it is so rare, you know. Um, and so and I'm guessing the the medical
1: costs are astronomical, you know, because oh yeah, I I know you know being a diabetic what that costs me
2: already right. a year, but you know that's that's compared to something like this right i mean nkh itself it affects every every part of the body it affects you know development of the child it affects the way that they um you know respond to stimuli i mean they can't express what happens in their brain as well so i mean lucy could be thinking just as much as any other person but she can't express it i mean she's mm-hmm. eight years old and she's still you know in a wheelchair she's still um you know she takes medicine by tube every morning and her parents still have to you know, do a lot of the things that, you know, we, we got over as an infant, as a baby. And so that is, that's something that makes it very difficult for me as a filmmaker to study NKH because, um, I mean, there, there is not a lot of research on it and there was not a lot for me to go off of. I kind of had to learn from the way it affected Lucy's life which ultimately allowed me to explain it in a way that that became more impactful to her story. Instead of getting into a lot of you know, the, the science and the technicalities behind NKH, I was able to you know, talk about how that affected her life specifically so I could move on and say, that's how she overcame it. This is how her family overcame it and this is why it's important. And
1: by the same token, you also had to sit there and be a filmmaker in the meantime. Uh, from the technical aspects of it, the lighting and so forth, and uh, transitions, music, uh, what have you, um, how do you, especially since, you know, being a relative uh, of the subject, how did you put all of that together so that you could box it and still be a filmmaker
2: and still be a cousin and, Mm -hmm. and, and still tell a story? Yeah, well... I guess I guess that's a good point because because, you know, I was still in the room with my with my family and I still had to be there and be present. Um, But I think that I guess my camera just became part of me. It it was like no different than my hand. You know, Mm -hmm. I I was still in that room as a family member. And that's what allowed me to, you know, um, create a story that was still very, very, very personal to me and interpersonal to my family. Um, But you know. It it was a task to balance all of those things and figure out, you know, how personal I wanted to make it because it's still a story that I feel like needs to be told at face value because it's a very important scientific story and it's a very, very important story on how, you know, diseases impact a family and their ability to survive, you know, throughout that journey. What's your next subject? Oh, boy. Well, right now I'm making a short film based on an Edgar Allan Poe story called The Imp of the Perverse. Yes. <laughs> and I'm looking at some other um, documentary topics right now. I'm looking at um, this this deforestation or this forestation fund down in Brazil right now. Um, they basically bought up a lot of forest just so it can sit. And I'm thinking that's, really? that would be a really cool story.
1: Yeah, very much so. Got the travel budget for it? <laughs> Working that one out still. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Subaru can get you, uh, you know, Subaru make planes.
2: Well, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but, you know, and, and I say that in just because, you know, you you did uh, get uh, some some great things. And it's uh, it's wonderful when that happens so that young people especially can Uh, be involved in the arts and the entertainment uh how did you not end up becoming a singer and a guitar player
2: (laughs) you know i'm still wondering about that one myself (laughs) (laughs) you know i have all my life just been surrounded with with artists and musicians because of my dad but i think that's one of the things that made me love the arts so much is is you know getting to meet all these amazing humans who are so in touch with that side of them uh and uh you know we
1: talked a little bit about it but uh you know what i have so enjoyed is watching how you've grown uh by watching your dad's promotional videos then uh, because it's like okay here's his son doing this for him. is he is he a good boss he is a good boss okay <laughs> do they pay well well no <laughs> <laughs> that comes out of the uh yeah you, you know all those years you lived with us. This, this is what you're. <laughs>
2: What kind of direction did he give, though, or or did he let you have your own way as an artist? He lets me have my own way. He does his art, I do my art, and we just, right. you know, we draw that line, but we work together, and yeah. it, it always works out. Right now, we're doing, a, we're planning a short series um, called Five Days of Fun for um, the week of the Young Child, which is where there's a new theme every every day, Monday yeah. through Friday, and it's like you know, Music Monday, Right, Tasty Tuesday and we're, we're making a, sh- a short series right now that we can you know distribute to daycares, and it's just always nice to work with him. Um, you know, we, we, we both, um, we have our own arts, but together we can interweave them, and, and he helps me, I help him, and mm-hmm. it, it always, it, it, it strengthens, obviously, our bond as, as you know, family, but. Right, uh, you know, one of the
1: questions I love to ask uh, of, let's say, a guitarist, Okay, how many guitars do you have at home? Uh, how many cameras do you have? Sure.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Gosh. And you have a favorite or is that, you know, picking... I do have a favorite you camera. You do? Okay. It's not <laughs> like picking a child, huh? It's not like picking a child. All right. So what is your favorite camera? Then? Well, Let's my go with favorite that. camera is my Sony a7 III. Okay. Uh, his name is Cameron. Ah. Uh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I love that you name it, too. You know, I just, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah and uh, what is so special about cameron then
2: cameron is just i don't know i've become so close with my camera i, I know every in and out of, yeah. of cameron and <clears throat> you know it's it's no different than you know knowing you know the lines on my right hand you know yeah. i i just i i feel like me and my camera are are one oh <laughs> well, you're sympathetic, so huh <laughs> <laughs> yes but um You know i i've gone through many cameras because i've improved over over the years i mean um i've i've had to um you know always foster you know what i've learned and, and what i'm looking forward to doing next i'm always looking towards how i can improve as a filmmaker um but but also how i can you know move forward and progress into doing bigger projects and telling more stories and sharing more perspectives and so um, you know, I started on an iPad and then I, yeah. I, I just work my way up and that's, that's how it goes. Well,
1: what I love about, it, because I've, I've been around you when you've been working as well. And, uh, it's not only that you've got a nice camera, but you're doing so many different things because you're also using an iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, and just capturing so many different angles and, and, uh, everything just mesmerized me because when I was a your age, it was, uh, well. By the time i'd hit your age then i was like okay i gotta be in radio but uh when i was uh 15, 14 15 uh i was going to be a photographer you know had my own dark room you know back when you actually developed What's that? film yeah <laughs> yeah not an ipad <laughs> and uh so that was my big thing but it and i'm i'm curious about this especially since coming from an entertainer's standpoint was it an easy sell telling dad, well, you know, I really need to improve up to this model because he probably was uh, one that like, well, I really need this guitar mm. versus what I already have any, any tough sell there or did he take it? Uh, you know, like,
2: okay, I understand. Well, you know, it was a little bit of a tough sell, but, uh-huh. but, um, you know, Um, my first camera was bought for me by Mike Schulte from Schulte Subaru. And then my second was an investment from, um, one of my dad's friends. So, so, um, my dad has always been there to support me and and help me, you know, for what's coming next. And so really it it wasn't too hard of a sell. I mean, I've definitely tried to pick his pockets a couple of times to, (laughs) you know, get the get some little, you know, filters and things for my camera, but I've never, I've never had a problem, you know, getting that support from him, which is very nice as a filmmaker and a young filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so what are some of the uh, things that you're hoping to get yet? Ooh, you know, that's hard. To go along with camera. Next, I want a $95,000 cinema camera. I'm looking at... No, I'm just kidding. I, okay. I can't afford that right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's still so good to dream, though. Dream big.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, maybe someday. <laughs> what are the dreams for you then? What is it that you really
2: want to do with this
1: film career?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, right now I've written a lot of, of screenplays that I just you know I can't make. They're feature films. They're 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 long. They're big budget. They're right. big productions. Actors, you know, um, that kind of thing. So someday I want to, you know write my own stories and then film mm-hmm. them just direct them or you know i also love the cinematography aspect right. so i'm reeling between those two sides of of, of myself so we'll see who's going to who, do you, gonna who do you admire uh, mm. as a filmmaker my favorite filmmaker is um well obviously i could say you know scorsese i could right. say uh, hitchcock but right now i think my biggest influence is, is this um, director named david lowry and he I love him as a filmmaker because he does what he wants. I mean, he mm-hmm. writes, he writes stories and then films them and then goes back to his little house in the forest of Colorado and just, you know, relaxes, yeah. writes more. But he, I, I love, I love that he does what he wants to do as a filmmaker. Right. He, he loves, you know, adapting literature and telling stories that have a meaning beyond what they say they, they, their story, you know, a meaning beyond their story, their surface story. Um, and so I think, You know, I'd like to I'd like to do things like that. I've written a lot of um, screenplays based on classic literature. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's definitely an interest of mine. So I feel like someday I just want to, you know, um, make projects that appeal to me as a person and and tell them the best I can and do justice to them.
1: Well, they always say, you know, write and in this case, that can translate over to film Mm -hmm. make. Uh, you know whatever uh, you have as what you know and so mm-hmm. forth so there's a short that's going to be based on uh, Poe um, what made you come up with that one
2: well you know honestly Are you a huge <laughs> Poe fan in general I am a big huge okay. I'm a very huge Poe fan but um, specifically for the Imp of the Perverse I went online I looked at all his short stories and I said most oh I'm so sorry most popular Poe stories and then I scrolled all the way to the bottom and I picked his, 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 least? his, his least popular short <laughs> film. I, I wanted to do something that, that simply hasn't been made into a short film. And so I I read this imp the perverse thing and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is more of an essay than it is a short story. Uh-huh. And, it, and it was because, right. you know, when he wrote this, um, this short story. I'm going to call it a short story. It's really not. It's more of a psychological essay, but, but, um, he was being questioned sort of, you know, for, you know, is this man crazy? Does he know what he's talking right. about? He's writing these stories about, you know, a man who hid his, hid someone in the floorboards of his house. I yeah. mean, and so Poe's response was he wrote this this very long piece, this essay, basically talking about you know how the mind of his characters work, how the mind of someone who is perverse, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, works. And so he called it the Imp of the Perverse, and the Imp itself is sort of this this impulse, this impulse um, to do things specifically because you know the perverse mind knows it shouldn't. And the interesting thing about it is that he he connects it to Every person. I mean, everybody yeah. does things because they know they shouldn't do it. Maybe not, you know, or at least they have the temptation to. <laughs> but most people Maybe don't have More than temptation. It. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he wrote this this essay, and it's so complicated. I, these words. Well, my God. <laughs> see, I, I want you now that I know this. I want you to make the uh, cask of amontillado. <laughs> you know, I would love to do that. I would yeah. love to do that. And and so near the end of this short story, he wrote. Blunt. Blunt story. It it didn't even have a name for the characters. It was two characters. The murder was his most boring murder yet. (laughs) No blood, no gore. But he put it in there. And and so when I was approaching the the, um, adaptation of it for the screen, I mean... I I expanded that story. I took the story, expanded it, and then everything that happened in the essay was sort of the mental processes. These are the thoughts that the man is having (laughs) while he's sort of reeling with this side of himself where he's telling himself that he shouldn't kill this man, but he does anyways. Oh, my. Well, we look forward to it. That's going to be uh, fun. Yeah, and
1: uh, how long do you think it's going to be before you get that uh, produced?
2: Well, you know, I'm... I'm kind of taking my time on it because, you know, okay. it's hard to bring equipment into the house yeah. during the winter and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah. I have probably about a fourth of it filmed right now. <laughs> and so I'd say probably in a couple months we'll get it Woo. out there. Wow, well, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I look forward to that. That is for sure. All right. A couple of the uh, standard
1: questions that I like to ask at the end yeah. of every conversation. Uh, the answer to number one might negate uh, <laughs> question number two. But when you are not part of the entertainment and arts scene, what do you like to be entertained by?
2: Oh, well, I love films, of course. I yep. love watching films, mm-hmm. um, TV shows, listening to music, of course. Um, i a big classical music guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, it's what I listen to when I drive. It's my guilty pleasure. Don't tell any of my friends. <laughs> I love it.
1: I'm That's still great. cool, I promise. Yeah. All right. So then <laughs> any other hobbies? Yeah.
2: Well, I just love everything art related. <laughs> you yeah, know, there we go. You know, love reading literature and just expanding my, my portfolio as an artist before I expand my portfolio as a filmmaker, if that makes any sense. Sure does all right man what a well-spoken young man you are (laughs) sean baker
1: thank you so much appreciate you you. taking time to be on the show thank you so much dave yep and we'll be back with more of the dave holly hour in just a moment
3: helping women feel empowered and confident is what posh boutique at the bridges at 57th does while supplying high quality clothing that fits your lifestyle personality and price point whether you want comfy and cozy casual attire or something for a special occasion Posh provides quality, selection, and value. They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident. Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th.
0: From the Dipsy Doodle studios at the world headquarters of Big D Entertainment, a 40 square foot home studio in the middle of America, it's Dave Holly.
1: Thanks again to my great guests, Emmanuel Bassey and Sean Baker. And of course, thank you. Listening, downloading, sharing, following on social media, and most of all, just your overall support of the show and the the nice things that you say when you see me and run into me and we talk about it. Always a pleasure. Like I say, during those conversations too. So it certainly is nice. Appreciate that feedback. Keep it coming. If you have not done so, Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That automatically gets you entered for Pizza with Podcaster. For all 168 episodes, go online daypollyhour.com. As the Sioux Falls Arts Council says, together we art. As Arts South Dakota says, home is where the art is. As I say, put some art in your heart. Remember I'm Dave Holly, and for
0: me, every day is a holiday. The Dave Holly Hour has been brought to you by Posh Boutique, The Sky in Tea, XL Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffett Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. If you would like to contribute to the continued success of this podcast, simply buy Dave a cup of coffee. Go to DaveHollyHour.com and look for a coffee cup icon in the lower left. Don't forget to stay up to date on the show on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the Dave Holly Hour on Facebook and you'll be automatically entered in our Pizza with a Podcaster contest. The Dave Holly Hour is produced in the Dipsy Doodle Studios by Big D Entertainment. Thanks
1: for listening.